You're listening to Bizarre Buffet, a podcast of all-you-can-eat weird. I'm your host, Mark Toriello. I'm Jen Wilson. And I'm Mark Bluestein. There'll be food and drink and ghosts, and perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. When we first went in, one of the people said, who are you? And Tex said, I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 1. This is Bizarre Buffet, and today we're going to talk about everyone's favorite topic, right? Cults. Yeah. Does everybody like cults here? Yes. Oh, me too. I just left one. Oh. I lo- I actually, believe it or not, have been exposed to one before. Really? <gasps> yeah. When did this happen? Oh, God. I think this was like 2010, 2011. Uh-huh. It was probably, like, around this time, too. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Ooh. I was dating I was dating this guy, and his cousin went through some, like, really traumatic stuff. And he, um, he went through this program called the Landmark Forum. Okay. If I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Never. And, okay. So his cousin was, like, he used the Landmark Forum to help him, like, come out and get comfortable with his identity and my ex at the time thought that it would also be a good way for us to better our relationship, which it didn't because like three months later we broke up. Oh no. So that so like $800 later, we were pretty much, we were done. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. So you invested this money. I didn't. He did. So he did for the both of you to have this experience, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And then, well, is he still part of the group? Do you know? I have no idea. Wow. Well, I'm on the website now for the Landmark Forum, and it says that more than 94% of participants surveyed reported that the Landmark Forum made a profound and lasting difference in their lives. So, Jen, oh, give I me think a you're break. In, you're <laughs> in the 6%. <laughs> you I'm don't the 6%. count. I you don't what, count. Jen? Exactly. Oh God! You you just didn't do it right, Jen. You didn't. Well, do that's it right. the other thing. Like there were people there who clearly should have been getting psychiatric help, mm-hmm. and not going through this like three day program. Where that's what they it says you, on the website. They put you in this. <laughs> did it really? Yes, I'm reading so, it now. So it, they put you in this room with like no windows. And it's like 12-hour days, too. No windows. The air is bumped all the way up. You can't eat unless, like, you get a lunch break. And then if you leave, sometimes they won't let you back in. So if, if you leave, meaning, like, for the day or, like, if you no, leave No, like, you group... leave to go to the bathroom or take a <gasps> phone call. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Well, and they try to so tell you. The they try to tell you that everything... <laughs> They try to tell you that everything in life is your fault. So the things that happen to you are your fault. And like, it's Mm. what? Oh, no, go ahead. No, no. So I find that like, I don't want to go too much into this because we have so much to cover. But, you know, I find that, you know, landmark form as well as I'm sure the cults we're going to talk about today. It's like their main thing is they break you down and they build you back up. That seems to be the trend. And, in three days. And, in three days. Wow. And that's the other thing, too. It's like they, <laughs> they find vulnerable people. 
yeah. if you think about it, a lot of these cults, you know, their followers come to them at vulnerable times in their lives. It's true. Or they capitalize on people who they know are in a position that's maybe less than ideal. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, well mm-hmm. just, just for a closing thing on the landmark, they all look happy and they have perfect teeth. Oh, <laughs> well, happy and perfect teeth. That's what most of us would strive for. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I'm very pleased to hear that for them, but you know what? We have, a lot to cover today, like Jen was just saying. Um, so the episode title, right, My Favorite Cult. So we're all going to talk about a cult that, you know, for one reason or another, we enjoy or find fascinating. But we're not here to give you a history on these cults because every podcast does that. It's a very over overdone thing, wouldn't you guys say? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're listening to this, you probably know about these cults and you probably know maybe even more than we do. It's definitely possible. But you know what? We're going to try to make this a, somewhat of a new experience. Yeah. So we have three today. And which ones are we talking about, Jen? Uh, we're talking about the Manson family. Mm-hmm. We are talking about Jonestown. Mm-hmm. And Mark, for the love of God, I completely forget. What's yours? I do- <laughs> Heaven's Gate. Baby. Heaven's Gate. I always say the oh, alien one. Heaven's my favorite. Gate. Oh. <laughs> well, let's see here. Mark, do you want to tell us about Heaven's Gate? Okay, yeah, I know I'll nothing. Get... Okay, I'll get the ball rolling. Okay, so my favorite cult that I picked is Heaven's Gate. I'm obsessed with aliens and sci-fi. And I, I love Heaven's Gate because it's just it's a really bizarre situation so just like a quick thing if you don't know about heaven's gate um it was a cult that formed oh god probably like the 60s or 70s and in the late 90s in 1997 39 members all committed suicide in a beautiful mansion in california and they all believed that aliens came to the earth thousands of years ago planted seeds which were basically humans mm-hmm. and that there were evil <laughs> aliens out there like the, the the devil aliens out there oh. um, and they were kind of uh making this place tainted and in 1997 when the comet hale was passing by planet earth there was supposed to be a ufo riding the tail of the comet um where Basically, if they all died and left their earthly vessels, they would float up into the comet, into the spaceship, and they would be saved. Intergalactic. Very intergalactic. Um, So basically, what I like about this is that it's, it's like that weird era before the new millennium where, like, everyone thought that Y2K was happen and you're all going to die. And, um... You know, basically, if if you go on their website, heavensgate.com, I think it's called. Hold on, let me make sure, because I don't want them. Yeah, heavensgate.com. I mean, it's still stuck in the 90s. You have this, like, really cheesy backdrop of cosmic stars. And then you have the Heavensgate logo, which is like a key with this beautiful airbrushed rainbow font. Ah. Stunning. And 
all the text is in like different colors. So um, I know I just like the fact that this cult has a clear cut aesthetic and even down to like in the mansion when they found the bodies, like they were all wearing the, the black Nike jumpsuits, the black and white Nike sneakers. And they all had a purple square blanket draped over their bodies in the shape of a diamond. So I just like the fact that there was some sort of um, consistency with aesthetic and image. And you're a fashion designer. I'm a fashion designer. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny because like, okay, so I emailed Heaven's Gate and (laughs) I emailed them. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. the home team got back to you? They or? got back to me. I'm going to... Oh. So the correspondence is really, really brief uh, and curt and to the point. But I mean, also, like, they... When they were active, they actually did these meditations to avoid being able to think or have thoughts. I try so, to do those, too, but that's just because people are tiring, you know? I don't blame you. But um, I, here's, here's the email that I sent them, and I'm going to tell you the response. I said, hello, hope you're doing well during these hectic times. <laughs> I am respectfully writing to you because I have been doing research about Heaven's Gate and trying to have a better understanding of Heaven's Gate's use of aesthetics and the color purple. I noticed that in a lot of video messages from Marshall, who was like the leader of the cult, Um, And the sheets used to cover the deceased members in 1997, everything had a purple tint to it. Out of curiosity, I would love to know. (laughs) Yeah, out of curiosity, I would love to know if purple... They were like, this guy's crazy. Yeah, they're like, oh, okay. They probably don't get inquiries like this. So I said, I would love to know if the color purple has any further meaning to your organization and if you could share some of the facts behind the aesthetics of Heaven's Gate. So they promptly responded. And the answer is no, it is just a color that T liked. We like that color too. Now, mind you, the font color that they use to respond is also in purple. Now, who's no, T? But who's T? Oh, I'm so T was the cult leader. So his name was Marshall Applewhite. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really go by their real names because they're stripped of their identity. So they, he called himself T and his wife who died, um, I think 10 or 15 years before the suicides, her fake name was Doe. And they got that because he was a music teacher and he had a homosexual encounter with one of his students. Oh. And it was a whole scandal. So he kind of like up and left and since he was a music teacher, they picked T and Doe. It's very interesting. But now, it's... yeah. But now I have to tell you the second email. Oh, there's another. There's Whoa. another one. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm ready. So here's here's the second one. I said hello. Thank you so much for your response. I do have another question as well in regards to aesthetics and concept. In Doe's final exit video, the backdrop is a screen showing what looks like an infinite universe of Doe, who's like their cult leader. Um, Was that done intentionally? If so, how was that video effect achieved? And did it have any deeper meaning? 
I, I just have to say, like, be, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no. Continue, but, like, I really just would love to know what their response was when they got this email. Because, I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I have a feeling it's the first time they've probably gotten, like, aesthetic-related emails to their, you know. I also feel like this but might anyway. be the first time they're getting an email inquiry in a while. Probably. I just would love I mean, to be a fly on the wall and see them getting the email yeah exactly i would love to well i hope they were wearing like a purple robe with wizard sleeves right or you know if they're working from home from you know for their office job they're probably in you know work attire for their zoom calls so i mean oxford shirts pleated pants things like that shaved head okay so um the the response was another kurt one and they said, it was just a fun background to use. We can't remember how it was produced. There was no deeper meaning to it. So now. <laughs> well, okay. I'm like, damn, just like make something up. But um, I don't know. Like, again, like I just really going back to the sci-fi stuff, you know, like one of the members, everyone, I mean, some people might not know this, but um, I'm trying to find my notes. I have like a million things written down. One of the members, his sister, was a character, an actress that was in Star Trek. Really? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, his name was Thomas Nichols, and his sister was uh, Michelle Nichols, or Michelle. I have the worst handwriting. She played- I know nothing about Ura. Star Trek. I know Ura. nothing about that show. Ura. I don't. I don't watch that show. No. Yeah, I've never- I've never seen it. All I know is, like, you know, visually what some of the characters I'm, yeah, look like. Yeah, I know uh, that and that, like, Klingon is an actual language and people speak it. That, I, really? That's a, Like, that's, they've, a, yeah. That's a thing? Yeah, like, when you go to Star Trek conventions, like, people can speak fluent Klingon. I feel like I should know this. But I'm genuinely surprised. I did not know that. See, we're oh, all learning it... something new. Oh. We are. Yes. This is an informative episode. Well, I'm going to inform you guys with a few more interesting points with Let's Heaven's Gates. Heaven's Gates. Singular, not plural. So did you know that all of the cult members in the house had to take out alien insurance policy? And what is that? It, it's an insurance policy that allegedly covers 50 cult members and it protects you from alien abduction, alien impregnation, and alien death, which is up to $1 million per person. So I want to know everyone that <laughs> the 39 people that died that took out alien insurance did that money, uh-huh. did, like, did that million dollars go to their families? But I mean, who funds, like, who, who's providing that policy? I mean, you don't go to, like, State Farm and be like, I'd like to cash in my alien insurance. Who's paying for that? I don't know. But they, they, so they all had to pay into it. Wow. Wow. That These is... cults are not, not cheap. They're pretty damn expensive. No. Look. Landmark well, they were well, they're che- well, I think Heaven's Gate, they cut corners because they had patio furniture. Oh, well. Cheapskates. <laughs> and then another thing too, right? So like I, I did research and Nike 
was like not really happy with the fact that all the cult members committed suicide wearing the sneakers. I can imagine. And (laughs) the reason I would have been happy because at least it's like a bulk sale. It's 39 units. But basically they only got them because they were affordable. So they were penny pinchers. Yeah, the clearly. And I mean, you know, Nike is still in existence. So I'm sure they recovered from that. But I mean, hey, if you try to find those sneakers on eBay, let me tell you, they do not come. You know, I'm on the website right now. And it looks like one of those really cheaply made like web pages from the 90s. And to let you know, the G that's on top, it looks like the Green Bay Packers football logo. It does. It does. And I think, you know, it's been commented on that, like, they pretty much took that logo directly from or something like that. I don't know. Like, but uh, yeah, it is. It's like the same thing. Well, they're so batshit crazy that other UFO cults look at them and they're like, oh, my God, these guys are nuts. (laughs) Like, listen, your UFO cult, like, and mine are two completely different They actually had to, um, everything needed to be identical, even their pancakes they would measure the amount of liquid. So each person's pancakes were exactly the same size. What's the, I mean, what's the purpose? Because everyone has to be like, I guess, equal, like equal playing field. Hmm. And some of the men were castrated. I think a lot of the members of Heaven's Gate were closeted gay people. Um because they had to like renounce their sexuality um and then we all know like the leader of the cult had like this the thingamajig with the uh student so i think a lot of times cults like this are formed for homosexual repression yeah absolutely i mean a lot of times you know like this figure who is running the whole enterprise if you will like you know we could do a deep dive on you know the reasons why you know these people are perfectly mentally suited to do such but i mean it's like um sorry i'm getting lost for words here well you could you could Uh, definitely do a deep dive with you know the whole cult being uh gay repressed yeah organizations Mm -hmm. and the last point that i have and i think we can move on with the comment is the the guy the scientist or astrologist or astronomer that discovered the comet hale bob he Mm -hmm. was he basically was like concerned um because he was like i think comets um will bring a mass suicide because comets are often associated with the end of the world and the end of times. So he felt like this, not necessarily a cult suicide would happen, but he felt that mass suicide would happen in response to the comet. And he was right. Wow. That's fascinating. It's such an interesting story. And I love that they're still in existence, you know, um, I would really like to have a member count of the current um, Heaven's Gate well, members. Well, we'll email them. We'll you know? get the video. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing. You can request their videos, which, um, you know, what were, the, what were the names of the tapes they had? They were like, uh, God, I, the name is, is escaping me. Is it the exit me. tapes? 
Yeah, the exit tapes, and there's like various ones that you could request. And to my knowledge, they will send them to you. You just have to send them cash by mail, I believe. Kind of odd, but hey, you know, piece of history there for you. And do you have to give it back when you're done, or do you get to keep the exit tapes? I think they're yeah, your copies. You get to keep it. Yeah. I think it's kind of like requesting, you know, like religious material oh, by mail. Okay. You know, like. So it's like a donation. Yeah, I th- exactly. Interesting. I, I hope that they are in a UFO universe, the 39 I people. Hope so. You know, it was a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of, you know, putting looks together. Um, you know, they deserve that. Yeah, absolutely. They do. And that is why I love Heaven's Gate. I think it's a great reason. Yeah. All of them. I love it. I love the website. You check out Heaven's Gate. Love the website. There you love go. Love the aesthetic. There you go. That is Heaven's Gate for you. So let's move Jen, on. Jen, do you want to go? We have. Sure. Why not? Since you know. All right. Talking about murder and death. Um, so yeah, I my favorite cult is the Manson family. Ooh, I know. Very classic. Um, yeah. But there's a lot, like, on the surface that I feel like people know about the Manson family. And there's a lot, like, behind the scenes that people don't really know about. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess that's what I'm going to talk to you guys about today. Um, and some things that I've learned from my research So I'm pretty sure everybody who's listening knows who the Manson family is. They were a group that was led by Charles Manson in the 60s out in California. And they lived on this old Western movie ranch, Spawn Ranch. And pretty much, yes, you do. (laughs) You absolutely do. Are you wearing it right now? I'm not, but Mark has this Heaven's Gate shirt on. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, And pretty much Charles Manson had them go out and do these killings. But it was because he was so influenced by the Beatles. And he actually thought that the Beatles were calling out to him and singing directly to him. And telling him to go murder people. And that's where Helter Skelter comes from. It comes from the Beatles song off the White Album. And Mm -hmm. everybody could probably say and agree with me that the White Album at the time was considered a very, very controversial album. Because they were exploring, like the Beatles were exploring with different sounds, different um, styles of music. And it was kind of like when you listen to it, you're like, what the hell were they on? But Helter Skelter is a song off that album. And it is actually, Helter Skelter, in fact, is a slide at an amusement park in England. Oh. I had had no idea. Jen just told me this before we started recording. And I was like, what? You definitely have seen them. Like, they, they look like, it looks like a lighthouse. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, 
I mean, how cool is that, right? It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On with the show. And you like you, you climb to the top and it's just like a, a twisty slide. Oh, look at that. It spirals down. This is Yeah, I've actually been. I've been on one before. Yeah, it's really? fun. And it's like lit up inside and it plays music. But anyway, the song Helter Skelter, Manson interpreted it as beginning a, a race war. And that the Helter Skelter was the, the final war to happen. I, where does the connection... Like, I just, I mean, maybe I don't understand because, you know, I don't have a cult of my own yet, but like, um, (laughs) like how, like, where does that come from? Do you think? I think you have to remember this was a time where people were experimenting with different drugs. Hallucinogens were really big. And I know that he used to give his followers, he would give them LSD. He would pretend he was taking it but he really wasn't. And this was a way for him to break these women down and build them back up. And a very classic kind of method that they all ha- right. seem to have. Exactly. You know? So, um, yeah. And something else that was really interesting because like, I just know who Sharon Tate is because of the Manson murders. Um, but mm-hmm. I, learned that she really like didn't become like a film icon until after her death it was like her death you know i made her a movie star yeah and that's so unfortunate because that happens with so many people she did I a mean, lot of bit parts honestly like her she was always like uh, she was never a lead she always had little bit parts or you know she was a featured actress on an episode of a sitcom here and there. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the only film that I personally knew of, you know, Sharon Tate being in was Valley of the Dolls. And even that, I mean, she wasn't the lead role. Um, So it's very interesting, for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it was definitely, I'm actually in the middle of reading Helter Skelter. I'm not, actually, I'm not reading it. I'm listening to it on Audible. Because it's just too, it's just hey, too even long. Better. It's too long. And I just need someone to read it to me. So, yeah. I mean, you know. It's a that's, good bedtime novel. It's a great bedtime novel. Exactly. Yeah. Have it read to me when I fall asleep every night. But, um. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good sleepy so, time story some facts about Manson and people don't realize this but Manson actually never killed anybody he never physically yeah, he killed made, he, anybody I mean and don't you think it's fascinating that he went to prison for the rest of his life but like didn't actually do anything I mean I I don't know what his technical like classification was in terms of like what they said oh well you're going to prison for life I because feel like of XYZ. I mean, considered he... manslaughter. Even though he didn't commit the crime. Oh, no. 
Yeah. I mean, is he an accomplice or I, I don't know. I feel like they probably just gave him the old fashioned, you know, first degree murder charges. But the, the lines get kind of blurred in yeah. his case, I think. Yeah. Very odd. But, you know, he's still technically guilty. Like he was still technically guilty of the crimes. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, there was. was. Um, another thing people don't realize is that Manson was a musician himself. He, yes, he's right. a musician, and he was actually friends with what's his name from the Beach Boys, um, Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson. Yes. Oh. Another interesting Yeah, he used to hang fella. out at Spawn Ranch all the time. And um, even, like, go to go to his, like, the family used to hang out at his house. It wasn't Brian Wilson. It's Dennis Wilson. Oh, the, uh, the yes, other. Yes, the other. other, other oh, honey, boy. these fact checkers are going to be coming for us. I know. <laughs> oh, but... Guys, forgive us. It's our first podcast. It's, it's the <laughs> Listen, it's a goddamn beach boy. What do you want from us? Okay, you get the point. But it's I one also of the feel too, like, I wonder how he feels or how he felt before, you know, he died. Like, being connected to somebody like that. No, really. I mean, it's kind of uh, like a big burden to carry knowing that you kind of supported this person who you thought was just like a weird hippie musician. And then to find out you're like, Oh no, not so much. He's a yeah. little more than quirky. <laughs> That's so, true. At least it's free press. Did you guys know that he also had a yeah. celebrity hit list? Um, no. Who was see, on Frank the list? Sinatra, <laughs> Liz Taylor. Oh, Liz I know. Taylor, Tom what did she do Jones to anybody? And Steve McQueen. Okay. Yeah. Huh. He also, yeah. That is, I would just like to know what the rationale behind each person, because they're all very different, yeah. you know? I mean, I wonder he also, Liz Taylor. He, he also oh. had a thing with race and class. Like, he, I didn't even realize he was, like, a huge racist as well. It's very odd because I just... His plan was, his plan was to do these killings and then blame them on the minorities. It's just such a... Kind of what's going on today. All of it's so crazy. Pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly Mm, what's going on today. Absolutely. We got political up in here. I know. (laughs) Well, and... Well... I mean, and that could be, I don't know, um, a good place yeah, for Yeah, oh my God. Well, because I feel like though, these two you... kind of piggyback off each other a little bit. They do. And speaking of what Mark had just said about things that are going on today, and in terms of race and all the issues that we're having in this wonderful country, um, we're going to get into Jonestown. Do you guys know I just about know Jonestown? about Jim Jones, and I know about, it was in Guyana, right? It was. The that's cool, where the they drank the Kool-Aid. Uh, t- um, that's where, like, the whole phrase, yeah, that's, that's kind of right. where the phrase well, after, drinking the Kool-Aid comes from. That's right. And do you know that surviving members of Jonestown are very offended oh, I don't blame by that them. comment? I don't, I don't either. I mean, How I many totally, survived? totally get it. 
You know, I don't have an exact number, but I know over 900 people um, died um, in the mass uh, murder-suicide that happened there. Um, But Jonestown, it's a very interesting story because, so unlike Charles Manson, who thought he was better than everybody and kind of you know, was trying to start a race war and like Jenna just said, you know, commit these horrible crimes and blame them on a minority group. Jim Jones started out actually helping minorities and doing a lot of great things within his community. So you guys know um, a little bit about Jonestown, but, you know, I think like the most popular things that you hear tend to be the tragedy that happened and rightfully so people should know about these things but you know what tends to get like swiped under the carpet is like the things that jim jones did before he became crazy quote-unquote cult leader right so when jim jones was growing up in uh, indianapolis his father and this is noted um was part of no the KKK, shit. and jim jones actually Yeah, isn't this crazy? And this is where he started out on his kind of quest um, because his dad wouldn't let his black friends into their house. So he stopped associating with him. He didn't talk to him for a really long time. And that seemed to be kind of like the start of his activism, I guess you could say. So, And this is from the New York Times, okay, about Jim Jones. Jones was outraged at what he perceived as racial discrimination in his white uh, congregation. He established his own church and opened open to all ethnic groups. He imported and sold monkeys door to door to raise money. Do you no. guys know that he sold monkeys? Isn't that adorable? Yeah, little monkeys. Jonestown actually had a mascot called Mr. Muggs that was their chimpanzee. Uh, mascot another fun little fact there over his time he actually um helped racially integrate churches restaurants the telephone company the indianapolis police a movie theater an amusement park uh even a hospital so he was really um influential and important in bringing you know bring bringing people together (laughs) integrating racial equality yeah he actually used to set up sting operations to catch uh, restaurants refusing to serve black people. Um, there were two families in his neighborhood that had swastikas painted on their doors. Uh, he went actually around comforting them while encouraging white families not to move, not to add to the problem of the racial inequality. So he encouraged everyone to stay where they were and to kind of band together, which I think is a really cool thing. You know, it's something that you don't even see. Well, he was also today. like a preacher, right? The opposite going on. He was. Yeah, he was. He started out, um, I believe his first church started in Indianapolis, uh, the People's Temple. And then he moved it to San Francisco. I believe he had both locations. And this was all before Guyana happened, of course, um, that these churches had already been established. Well, I'm just wondering, and like, I don't know if this is like PC, but was he doing it because he genuinely cared about people or was he reaching out to like the disenfranchised to help build his following? Well, that's kind of, it's really, um, it's a controversial topic because a lot of people um, who were associated with him and around with him at that time 
uh, they believe that he was doing it mm-hmm. out of goodness and that he did care right. um, about the disenfranchised. Now, you know, there's, of course, there's also the flip side to it where, you know, you could look at the classic, you know, kind of markers of a cult or a cult leader um, and being like, okay, but he was like going to this group because he could capitalize or, you know, take advantage in some kind of way. But it just seemed as though he did so much good for a very long time. Um, now, listen, not a perfect person by any means, still a terrible individual. But I mean, if you're comparing, you know, him to like somebody today, I don't know if you guys think this is too controversial, but, you know, the current president and him, you know, like they have a lot of similarities. But you know what? At least Jim Jones wasn't. Promoting, but you know, what's really you know, interesting. Inequality. It's so easy for people to you hide know, behind had... religion. And I think like, it well, it been, is. Like, and that was, you know, I'm was he really like, was he really as religious as he came off to be? Or was that the facade that he put up? But I feel like a lot of cults out there too, whether it's a UFO cult or anything, they draw a lot of inspiration and parallels to like Christianity and the Bible, which I think, they, I think they that do, Christianity you know is like the ultimate uh, cult. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, it absolutely it absolutely is. And it's funny that uh, you and Jen brought that same point up. Referring to uh, religion and, you know, kind of the whole idea of like, oh, was he religious? Was he not religious? Um, so here's a quote from Marceline Jones, who was his wife. Um, she admitted to the New York Times that Jim used religion to get some people out of what he called the opiate of religion. He'd slam a Bible stating, I've got to destroy this paper idol. Jones began deriding Christianity as a flyaway religion, rejecting the Bible as a tool to oppress women and non-whites, denouncing sky God as no God at all. So I, so, and this is why I think, you know, he's such an interesting figure and that Jonestown is fascinating because he didn't use all of the classic tactics, it seems. Well, since I'm just like I have so many now. Aesthetics. I do have to say I like that he had sunglasses. Well, like that was the thing. He kind of like he he wore like yeah. the what do you call it? The collar. He had like the collar with the sun that the aviator sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, and they say that and he like a little comb over. Once he became a drug mm. addict because it hit his. Hi, eyes. daddy. <laughs> yeah, that girl was always. Well, it's funny because like you know even though. Manson Manson was more he thought of himself as God and his followers his his followers mm-hmm. looked at him like God. I know that when um well, all of the suspects started getting questioned a lot of these women were saying things like Charlie's listening to us right now Charlie hears everything we're talking about um yeah Wow. And and that's a very common thing. Like I know a lot of um, there was a surviving member from Jonestown who said that when you would talk to Jim, it was if he could read your mind and put a spell on you. It was like this kind of presence, which I guess, you know, helps your case in becoming a cult leader. Right. Um, So like some sort of charm, he almost had charisma. um, 
But if you think about it, yeah. all of these cult leaders, all of these serial yeah. killers, they all had charm. I mean, look at Ted Bundy. Look at how he would handle himself. It was like he was a charming man, but he did some really messed up things. Confidence goes a long ways. Exactly. And like, you know, I always, I always yeah. tell my fake students that you make it until you make least, it. And yeah. I guess I really got to start, you know, living by that. Hey, it'll listen, work it me. works for cult leaders. I'm not going to start a cult. <laughs> there you go, Jen Wilson. That's right. So Jonestown is my personal favorite because, you know, for as many bad things that happened and these, you know, atrocities that occurred, um, you know, he really like had an impact in good ways to where people who are, you know, still alive. And, and there were today, only three that survived from members. the massacre. Uh, yeah. It was like 900. I looked up the, really, is that the, number? the numbers. It was 909 deaths and three survivors. Wow. Wow. That's really crazy. Uh, I would love to see the place. It's in, you said it's Ghana, correct? Yeah, I would love. No, Guyana. Guyana. Mm -hmm. Oh God, I'm gonna. I'm butchering like the earth. Um, in Guy, do you think that the camp Uh, is still there? It is. Um, the camp is still there, Mm -hmm. and if you go into the forest of Guyana, you can still find really temple agricultural project. The sign. Interesting. The sign. Yeah. Well, Spawn Ranch is actually part of the national park now. I mean, the ranch isn't there. It's like knocked down. But yeah, the actual land is part of like a, a big national park and like hiking trails and that's so interesting. I would love to see well, that. Well, I know, you know I even know in Waco, they actually have a mm-hmm. memorial in the the spot of where the Branch Davidians home was. <laughs> Let's go to Oh Texas. my god, road trip. Family <laughs> trip. Let's go. Well, Let's let me tell go. you that the Heaven's Texas, Gate mansion was freaking beautiful. And it was huge. Oh, I don't was. care how many people died there. I would live there in a minute. I know. Well, you know what's really funny, too, to kind of piggyback off of what Mark just said. So there's a movie on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, and our followers, if you haven't watched it either, it's called Manson Family Vacation. And pretty much it's about this black sheep brother who comes to visit, and he is now, like, fixated on Charles Manson. Kind of like how we are, but like he's like doing like a tour. He's doing a whole tour of, you know, California and making his brother drive him around to all of the places that was like so the the oh, Mexican like the... restaurant that Sharon Tate dined at the night of her death. There's a scene where they're sitting there for lunch and he's like, oh. We're here. We're at the exact table. Oh. But then like then they break into the Tate LaBianca house because it's a private home. And they, they, they lie and they say that they were the grandchildren of the LaBiancas. So they could get in and get some pictures. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why they broke in. Oh, my God. But it was a funny move. It was like, it was what funny. A of a lot of dark group. humor. Check it well, out. Mark and I have a piece wow. of stone from the fireplace. Yes, you do. House. And you have the matches. We do. And we have the matches. We do. 
Yes. The taco place. The Mexican. El, Ca- El Coyote. I think it's El Coyote. <laughs> El Coyote. Tomato, Coyote. tomato. It's one of them. So I'm going to finish this up with saying one of the things that um, I really love about uh, the People's Temple, not so much Jim Jones, fuck Jim Jones, but the People's Temple, all right, former member says, the people were uh, incredible. Uh, people who were capable of committing themselves to something outside their self-interest. That's a quote from Laura Johnston Cole, who's a former member. All of us were doing the right things in the wrong place with the wrong leader. And I think that is, you know, a really interesting testament that, you know, despite everything and all of, you know, the tragedies associated, you know, these people were trying to do something bigger than themselves. And it did affect people like the right things affected them for the right reasons. But, you know, when you get a crazy person who, you know, they're on a good path. And a lot of times that happens, like starts out good. You're doing good things, productive things. And then, you know, you turn into a dark sunglass wearing, yeah. you know, flavor eight person, you know? It's hard. It's hard out here for a cult leader. And, you know, to top that off, I have an interesting quote here. I'm ready to be blown away. I'm ready. You guys ready for it? You ready? Okay, so this quote is from Terry Buford O'Shea. Okay, and she escaped Guyana a few days, um, basically a few days before the uh, event took place. So this was from theatlantic.com uh, an article by Jenny Rothenberg Gritz uh, they asked her how do you feel about the word cult like what's the meaning to you and that's a very big like discussion like I'm sure if any of you guys have seen any recent shows there's always a moment in any like you know quote unquote cult related show where you know the person is like cult means new culture man and it really doesn't. Um, <laughs> that's not a technical, you know, definition. But I thought it was uh, better to have a direct reference. So she says, a cult is when you aren't allowed to see your friends or family. I'm talking about total isolation. Someone takes your money, brings you to a place with no communication. Or if there is, you aren't allowed to use it. Um, trust your gut and, and don't give up your liberties. Um, so I think that's a really a really good I think that should be the definition in the dictionary well I think that's sound advice <laughs> I, yeah it is it is no? I wish more people would do that well the the correct um, I know dictionary meeting of cult is a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object all right so is is this a wrap that's for right. our first episode I can't believe we did it. And everyone listening, follow us on our Instagram page, which is Bizarre Buffet. That's right. And you can find Mark Coriello. Where can we find you, Mark? UFO cults. You can find me uh, hitchhiking out in California, burning my my money, (laughs) cutting up my credit cards. Listen, we just discussed what a meaning of a cult is. I'm sorry. You're already not following directions, Jen. God's sake. Have you learned nothing from this episode? It's fine. We're basically in a cult now, and it's called Bizarre Buffet. (laughs) It is Bizarre Buffet, and I'm Mark Bluestein, and you can find me, I don't know, 
on a park bench trying to take your lunch. Bye. Um, Bye. This is our buffet and goodbye, everybody.